0: Let's begin with a uh, a very relevant halacha concerning davening, which is really connected to uh, rosh chodesh Menachem Av, connected to uh, getting ready for Tishabav in, in both the current way and in the futuristic way. But beginning with the shulchan aruch, and I'm quoting here from the Alter Rebbe, Eiderachaim, uh, Siman Tzadik, that Hamispalul Yutches, whoever's davening, what we call Shmoina Esrei or Damedah prayer, it's ideal or it's important for there not to be anything intervening between the person and the wall. And he quotes a pasuk from Chizkio. Chizkio was very sick. Chizkio was a, the whole parsha. Chizkio had a uh, premonition that his descendant, his child, will bring terrible calamity to the Jewish people. So what was his solution? Not to get married. And that's a very big lesson from just from that, getting off topic just for a second. And God decided to take his life early. It's very rare that a person's life is taken away early. It's very rare that a person has added years to their life. Very rare. These things are possible, but the rule is that the time is allocated from the beginning, the question is what we do with it. That's why you have terribly evil people that lived a long life, and only if God would have taken them earlier, they were given that amount of time. Chizkiyot's solution, which is, I think, uh, many people resort to that solution, was really so wrong as a leader not to get married, that uh, his life came to an end. He was very sick. A prophet came to him and told him that your life is coming to an end. It was decreed in heaven because you're not getting married. So he says, if that's the case, I'll get married. I, if I know if I'll I'll get married, my child will be a very, very evil person, which is what happened. So the prophet told him, don't mix into God's vineyard, which means that we are here to plant seeds even though you were somehow given the gift of foresight and you can see into the future, you, know, you have to do your mitzvah. And there's a mitzvah, at least on a man, as an obligation to get married and to have a, to have a boy and a girl, minimally, a chiyuf. And you know who he married? The prophet's daughter. But he told him it's too late. It was decreed. It was a decree that's under. He says, I don't care if it was a decreed. He turned it, so he says, Chiskayo turned to the wall, turned away from the Prophet. He turned to the wall, and he davened and God healed him. The next morning, he was healthy. Healthy from what? He had an illness. He had stage 8 cancer. I don't know what he had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying he was sick, he was sick. But he that not only physically, he was doomed. This is the part where you said he got ill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so since it says that Chiskayo turned to the wall, why does it say he turned to the wall? It could have says by Yasev, Chiskayo, Pana Vel Hashem. To tell you another halacha that when you daven, you daven in front of a wall. The Rebbe clarifies it doesn't have to mean a wall. Anything that's fixed in a place, not fixed with nails. Like in many shuls, you have pews. You have tables that don't move. Like this table. This table is meant to be here. It doesn't matter that it's not a fixed. This is called something fixed. That's also considered davening in front of something fixed. Um... He writes, there is an exception, like a shtender. al speaks about many standards, like our shtenders on wheels. It's not fixed. People can daven in front of a standard because it's helping you hold a shtender. It's there for the purpose of prayer. Then he writes also, in many shuls, no one has that option. When people get together in a room where everyone can daven in front of the wall, he says, if you can't do it, no one should not go to a minion because they can't daven in front of a wall, but it's better to daven in front of a wall. This is very relevant because, you know, men and women, let's speak about women, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, that you're not obligated to daven with a minion, right? So women who daven, don't go to Schulte daven. They don't have to go to Schulte daven. Um, they daven in front of a wall. They, uh, in your home, you should have a location which you should be in front of something fixed. Now, why is that? What do you think? Well, yeah. of Okay, so the Alta writes that because there is a certain amount of distraction that you prevent when no one can go right in front of you. I'm saying this even if it's just a table, better a wall. Even though if I'm davening here, someone can run there, at least not in front of your face. Let's put yourself in a setting where there's less distraction. It's like an play that If a person wants to have a family life that's healthy, if they want. Most people don't want that, but if they do want it, put your cell phone on another table when you eat dinner, if you still have a minute to eat dinner with your family. Because if you have it in front of you, most people don't have the discipline when they hear it buzzing, or even if they have to see, even if they put it on silence, then they'll check it whether habitually or you know all these illnesses of the current illnesses. Put it away. You no, know, it's be be smart, have foresight. Don't set yourself up in a in a setting where you're going to be distracted, and whatever it is you think you want to accomplish, you will accomplish the opposite. Okay, yes. So you give the example of Christian and the Prophet, and it says that he turned away from him into the wrong. Maybe it's it's. Could it be that it's it's a kind of a turning away mentally, intellectually from what he said to me? Sure. Said, you know, you say what you say, but I'm turning away from that, i <inaudible> <and I'm> turning <inaudible> 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 Very good, 100%. But that's why it could have said, Vayasef el Hashem. In other words, I get what you're saying explains why the Pasek mentions he turned away. Because when you're facing a tzaddik, Y- was at, Yishayu, a tzaddik is telling a person your life is over <laughs> is teaching us that tzaddik can tell you the life is over okay I'm turning to God I want to tell you a beautiful Hasidic story there was, there was a Jew by the name of the Shpala HaZeda the there's a whole story behind why he was called the Shpala the was unique he was a um, qualified lawyer, he actually went to college, he went to university, he practiced law, he used his profession, even when he was a Rebbe, to defend yidin that were taken to court who could not afford a lawyer, talking about a role model. And whenever he went to court, he used to wear his shtrayimot, like a mitzvah. He went to court as a Rebbe, I want you to find me one Rebbe today that would do that. How much criticism our Rebbe got that he went to college? Whoo, you have no idea. He was looked down at by everyone, Everyone meaning by the no-ones of that world who think they're someones because he went, he went, he learned the profession and he practiced law. The Shpala had many unique um, attributes. Primarily, he was very warm. He was a very warm person. And I would argue, especially nowadays for us, I don't think people care that much about intellectuals. Every now and then it's nice to hear, wow, that person is smart. It doesn't really do anything. In the American culture, in the Western culture, emotions are powerful, and it's nice It's nice to see a warm emotional person, especially if that person is religious and they're warm also at home, and it's nice, that's a good role model, more even than a Chacham. He had a lot of Hasidim, and this is a shocking story. He was trying to daven, and one of his Hasidim, who did not have children for many years, used to come over to him as a habit, once a year, once whatever, Rebbe, I need a brach. My wife and I are married, we need a brach. And he, would, he wouldn't answer, which is another good, uh, good etiquette. If, if you can't help, just don't answer. If you're getting a phone call and, and you have nothing good to add, don't even answer the phone. Like, don't be better. Why say no? Just don't answer to say yes. He ignored him. And whatever got him to the heart of that chassid, I don't know, but that chassid felt, it's listen, he, he's going to give up everything, he has to have children. So he began, he told the Rebbe, that he held on to the table of the Rebbe, and he told the Rebbe, I'm going to stand in front of you, and I'm going to distract you by talking to you, until when you give my wife and I a bracha of having children. I want to get off on a tangent, that someone did it to the Rebbe that we know of, someone who had the courage to speak about this in public, and kol to him. Someone went into Yechidis before the Rebbe's heart attack, in the 70s. Also, married many years, no kids, and he grabbed onto the Rebbe's table, strong guy, and he told the Rebbe that no one will be able to remove me from here until you promise me to have a child. The Rebbe looked at him, and the Rebbe told him, you are not keeping the laws of Tadas HaMishpacha, how dare you come here to ask me for a bracha to have children. And he walked out of the room. Now this guy had the courage <coughs> to speak once in public to the Bachrim, and they did shuva, and they had a kid. So that was the Rebbe's, that, that's a story, a very gvur story. It's more, more gvura to actually say the story to the public. I'm telling you, this is a person that that's a person that you have to respect. That's <coughs> called respect. That's, that's, that's a person. That's a person. People fail not to justify failings. When I was a kid, when I went to Switzerland in yeshiva, I was 13 years old, so it was a very isolated yeshiva in principle, it's a litvashi yeshiva, you're mamash in a mountain. And, and, and the yeshiva gave food. I, I know I gained a lot of weight, so most it was bread. I don't remember what they served, but there was, a, there was like a store that sold nash that would come to the yeshiva, because to leave the yeshiva was like, Asad Midor, I said they would come and they would sell. And was it? In, in Schweiz, in Luzern, when I was a, a youngster in and, Switzerland. In Switzerland and, and it was so beautiful that the Rosh Yeshiva, a tzaddik, gathered everyone to read a letter that he received. What was the letter? <laughs> the Rebacher that was there two or three years earlier, who was then in another yeshiva in Israel, whenever this store used to come, he used to steal merchandise. He stole. And again, a few years later, he decided he's going to do tshuva. So, so he wrote a letter to the Rosh Hashiva because he didn't know how to contact the store owner. And he sent a large amount of money and a letter of apology that he did something wrong when he was younger and he wants to make it right and he's giving back the money. And he was so moved by that that he called everyone. He didn't mention the name and he wanted people to hear that. See, that, that's good. And he's coming back over here. So so this guy goes to the Shepal and, and the Shepal looks at him and he tells him, don't do this. And this guy was going for gold. He, Rebbe, I'm not leaving. He, and he told him, don't do this. This is the story. Neshavah Zedah looked at him, and he told him, I take an oath that you and your wife will never have children. Okay, that's Neshavah Zedah. This person said to himself, if that Jew can take an oath that I won't have kids, He's no longer my Rebbe. I'm looking for another Rebbe. Takes a lot of koyach. And he went the Rebbe searching. And he found Pinchas Karatzer, who was a contemporary, who was not yet a a Rebbe. He was still from the Talmudimov, but he realized that Pinchas Karatzer, somehow on one of his trips, is a great man. And he got himself invited Friday night to a Shabbos table. And during the fish course, he told Pinchas Karatzer what's in his heart. What should I do? Imagine the Shpola Zaydeh took an oath, and <clears throat> asked for a melody to be sung, and he stood up, and he grabbed onto his beard, and he says that, I swear that you and your wife will have a child this year. Wow. So State in whoever he got the story from, Rabbi Zevin, he was a big man, that in the heavens there was a big tumult. What do you do now? Tzadik, tzadik. So they decided the one that never swore before, that oath will be fulfilled. Let's oh, not go to take an oath, even oh, the one who never took an oath in their life ever until then, that person has more koyach and they're going to trump, they're going to win. So they went through the ledgers and the Shavala took one other oath before. You want to hear his oath, these great people? And it says that he also took an oath grabbing onto his beard, that oath, and he, and he told God that you are not bringing Mashiach because you think that we are going to become better. I swear that the Jewish people will never be better the way they are right now. <laughs> what a gewaldike oath. Not going to get better. Ah, <laughs> uh, gewaldike stories. I grew up on these stories. So they said, ah, you took an oath once. You have a re- You weakened your power. And this guy had a child. I'm saying the story just when the here that Yeshayo was a prophet and he tells this, that you made a mistake and you are condemned <coughs> to die and it's done. He says, yeah, that guy is telling me not. I'm going to find that he went directly to God. But again, coming back to the wall. So one second. So first of all, there's a halacha to daven in front of the wall. It's a practical halacha. It's not essential, but it's ideal. And therefore, always, when people daven at home, it's good to have a corner in front of a wall. Some people who can't have that say the government, no problem. People in their homes might not have a wall available. Now, hold on. Let me tell you the challenge with the wall pictures. And that's why I think in the Alta Rebbe it goes one after the other. Nothing wrong. It's very common that people have pictures hanging in their home. God forbid if there's a mourning, there's a Shiva, or a Havdullah for something good, there's a Shabbat brachas, It's not that uncommon that sometimes there's a minion in people's homes, a big schus to have a minion in the home. What do you do with pictures? Or well, I'll tell you more. What happens in shuls? It became recently a minig in beautiful shuls. Beautiful. You have this, um, what do you call it? Stained glass windows that cost a fortune, and it's like a beautiful pieces of art, on the on the, in the windows. And you have them in the context of kedusha. You have the twelve tribes. You have other many Yiddish symbols in a in a shul or in the home. So another den in shulchan aruch, that hamid hamitzuyotim. They didn't, they couldn't afford art. Today, people take I have art there. They had some nice garment. That was their uh, a colored garment. The Chinese do that. They have these nice embroideries or Persian carpets. It wasn't the Persian carpet. It was, you want to make the shul nice. The nicest thing was this guy's wife had a, a nice dress. I don't know what they were doing. They cut out a piece and they put it up on the wall. Now they have art. We're the art, can, we appreciate art. That. Huh? The wedding, gown. the wedding gown, appreciating art. Okay, it's, it, this is a mile of the Jewish people. Oh, yeah, We should appreciate tighter. There's nothing wrong with art, but we're not sophisticated at all. At least we should know that. Good. Remember in Brazil, they had one kosher wine, a sweet wine. It's the best wine in the world. And someone that was not from was telling me that, you know, there's no kosher good wines. I says what are you talking about? And I brought out the kosher wine. And I meant it, the Ames. I thought it was the delicious wine. Only when I moved here did they educate me here what wine is. I never knew dry wine. I didn't know Bechlel. When I was in Brazil, up until the mid-90s, there was no wine. There, there was just a local wine. Very sweet. Very sweet. Manasheviz. It was worse than Manasheviz. How yeah. Manasheviz. You thought it was good? Yes, I know. So. Yeah, but so the only thing you have. That's what you have. I, I, what do I know? In Lubavitch, we, when I was in yeshiva, we drank mashka. Here in L.A., well, anyways, I'm just saying, we, not the end of the world, not to be Mavinim, but whatever the art was. So Dalton says like this, in this context. So we're saying you have to daven in front of a wall. What happens if there's a piece of art hanging on the wall? Afal Pishimin Adin. It's still good. It's still better davening in front of that. It's better than davening not in front of a wall because people walking by distract. More. It's movement. Nevertheless, he says, it's still not ideal. And if you're doing it, don't look at it don't look at a picture and he says and if it happens that you're davening there if they want to hang up art al says hang it above the natural uh, height of the eye that's what he writes over here in other words the altar is saying that shuls that want to put up art on the wall even, even if they want to put it up in the direction where we daven which is again you have many shuls now have windows on the front of the shul and you have beautiful <clears> things <throat> As long as it's not eye level, you have to lift up your eyes. We're hoping that when you're davening, you're not going to lift up your eyes. That's the alternative. The worst scenario is like trying to daven in an airport in a very public place. That's like anathema to what you're. A hundred percent. And if the op, if there's an option, if you have an option. Then use another option. Sometimes people travel at a time that there is no option, at least for a man. He has to daven. He has that time to daven. What am I going to do? And I want to get, yeah, that the whole, the bigger question is it's definitely very important to daven Shmana Esra standing. I always daven in the back standing? I have no problem with that. I'm very <coughs> comfortable doing that. The, the challenge with standing is, is that when there is turbulence, which happens every now and then, if there's real turbulence, you're going to have to. Not to make a <laughs> Hashem. So the question is, maybe Lechat Chila sitting down. That's the question. But for a man who's married, put your talus over your eyes. Cover your face. Cover your face and you're good. The beauty of a talus. I'm just saying, uh, if you don't want to get distracted, also put something in your ears. It helps. It's very noisy. If you have uh, something and you have your eyes are not, or close your eyes. So if you are having lunch <laughs> and you have your there or the little things, and. that, uh, Say here to here. You can daven here. It's better to be by the wall. It's better to daven in a place. It <clears throat> sounds like from Shulchan Aruch, it's not the wall. wall, it's about davening in a location where you don't foresee there being a distraction. You can word it that way. In other words, many people <clears throat> have their kids out of the house already. They know that in this time of the day there's no one coming. I think it's less. Right. of an issue then other people can have kids or grandkids and they come in at random with Baruch Hashem so you know you have foresight okay. literally down in front of so these are the two topics in Shulchan what about their are that they? okay okay there. very good very, so. okay Shkoyach. so that's it so that's what I was getting to so this so this is in Shulchan Aruch. now all of the later commentators begin to like Igeres get a HaMoyish I want to read this and he writes Gamata that was in the days of Daran I'm reading is, In other words, even though the Alte is postharding, and that's really based on the Shulchan that even if you're going to have a picture, it's not ideal, and if you're going to do it, do it on a higher... I know today, again, today we have beautiful Aron in Before the Aron Kodesh was your height. So if you have a parochas and there's something on the parochas, it's not going to be high up. Even in the fancy shuls today, that they make these huge uh, orange kaidish, but the parochas is meant for people to see uh, dedication. And uh, there's a minute to have pictures of a lion, of a lion, <laughs> of a lion. It, which is which is which is art. No, it's luches can be less <clears throat> distractive. At least it's luches. You're looking at olive base, You're looking at a piece of art. And if it's taka pretty. That's what we're talking about. So one might come and, and say, you got to protest against it. So they wrote later, don't protest against it. Against the lines of... The against Bechlal making Tzureis Anaparechis. Oh. Uh, that Yechavadas, I'm going into... I would say like this, that that. bottom line halachically, I want to speak a little bit deeper. the, the Rabbi Vadi Yosef, no doubt amongst the Sephardim, was the most stringent. He was very... He wrote a lot. He protested against any design in a shul. He didn't want any designs in a shul. And by the far they make beautiful shuls. doesn't have to have designs. And even on the Poreiches, whatever, the Ashkenazic poiskim were a lot more lenient. Usually, it's that, but... I'm just saying how it happened. Over, that's how it happened over here today. So if you go into a Sephardic shul, I'll give you, just get a little bit off. It's very interesting. All of us have three barriers before the Torah. All of us, Sephardic and Ashkenazim. Barriers means is that to give cover to something that's holy, we keep it reserved, behind. So normally we reserve something in one bag, in one covering, A mezuzah normally is behind one covering. I'm saying normally because now we're getting more sophisticated, now we have these plastic things that are good for humidity, but that's not, that's a new thing. A hundred years ago our grandparents didn't have that uh, disposable plastic, there was a case and that already is a good thing because once the mezuzah is covered if you're going to do activities that might not be that respectful you're not doing it in the face of then there is double cover like what happens if i'm traveling with tallison's and i want and i have to go into the restroom i can go into the restroom because i have my holy articles in a bag and that's in my um, so it's in a batting the button. so like it's very good so i want another detail that even though you can argue, you're kidding, I have a button. I have my fill-in bag and my talis bag. Since they were all made for it, it's considered one. And by a mezuzah, I'm getting completely off by a mezuzah. Many people have a mezuzah in the bedroom. You have to put another paper in it. Even though it's made for the mezuzah, there's no other option. Well, it depends outside. on where your doorposts are, it depends where the bed is. Oh, if, if, if a person has the, you know, and everyone builds their house, if you build your house, you didn't have the foresight. You have to put a mezuzah in a specific place, if it can be outside the bedroom or at least outside the ear. Anyways, yeah, generally, <clears throat> by a mezuzah, we're lenient. That we put up the piece of paper in it. Right. We put a paper in it, not a plastic. Even though they're both made for the mezuzah, and I just told you that it's considered one covering by a mezuzah, we're lenient because aim bereda. Wait, and the mezuzah, yeah. Have, I, have, I have plastic. It's okay. Plastic. Hey, if, If if, in if. Plastic. So yes. it,
1: it, and, and the. It's and because
0: plastic. you didn't invite me to come to put up your mezuzahs. I remember I did. that. Rabbi Chain did it. Okay. I, this is all good. So, uh, oh my God, they erase that. So, it's okay, Rivka, it's fine. Just send (laughs) it to Tzik. all wrapped. Uh, Yeah, but but if it's in the bedroom, if it's in a a position that is by the bed, then we take it out and we put a piece of paper. It's all over the house. I'm saying the mezuzah, the cloth is wrapped in soft plastic. I also have the plastic. Everyone has plastic. Plastic is transparent. Right. Better is ceramic. Better because it's less transparent. And in a bedroom, they put a piece of paper. But then you don't Dak. see the Shaddai. So what they do is that they put a shin on it and it's better this than that. You're right. No, don't it's don't better this than there. that. <coughs> the shin Yud, which is really not part of the mitzvah. Oh, the clear one. You see the shin Dalad? Sure. I the okay, anyways, it, it, balance. The shin Yud is not part of the mitzvah. It's done for shemira, done for protection. Yeah. And the beings that we are trying to be protected from, they can see through. They can go through walls, they can see through this, so it works for them. And huh? a and a <laughs> of a married couple. Okay. okay. Um, so let me come back over here. So, what am so I even saying? Even though it's in a clear thing, you should still lock it in a, in a, in a paper If there is a mezuzah, so? I'm trying to look over here, like over here. Like a clear mezuzah. You can see back. the classroom, the room, but it's sometimes, not clear. sometimes you have in the bedroom, let's say there is an entrance to a w- room before a bathroom. I'll give you a marshal.
1: Another topic gear of mezuzah,
0: here. dressing area. So like this, it used to be that bathrooms had a bad odor and therefore there's no mezuzahs on a bathroom and even the antechamber to a bathroom. Now they put, like, they put the toilet in the room and then they have a room just with sinks. It used to be that you did not put up a mezuzah to that room. Now you have to put up a mezuzah in that room. There are opinions in halacha that we don't follow that you put up a mezuzah on a bathroom because the bathroom was clean today. Because of the plumbing, it doesn't. There's no, it's clean and there's no bad odor. We don't you put it up a on a bathroom. You're not modest. I'm not talking about a shower. I'm talking about where you have sinks. I know by many <clears> bedrooms, <throat> including mine, you have a bedroom. Then you have an area where there are sinks. And that area goes into a bathroom or bathroom and shower. Any area that has no shower or toilet, just to speak clear, is an area in which if it's isolated from the toilet, you're m'choyif to put up a mezuzah. And in many cases, there's no doors to that. So wherever you put up a mezuzah, and then it's uh, open to the bedroom. In such a case, it's better. Your plastic is good. Even better is to put a piece of paper. And what they do for your shin is, is that you tell the mezuzah, any mezuzah place, that you want to put this up in a bedroom. And they would put, and you want a shin, at least you'll see, the, and the, a shin is fine. Shin dalad is God's name. The letter shin is, a, all letters are holy, but it's okay to have a letter shin. Hanging up over there, and the Epis, you have a, you see, it's a mezuzah outside of the acrylic case. You heard that uh, they say the, the mezuzah should not be from the metal. That's something that I speak about and I get a lot of pushback on, but I don't mind repeating it. This is something that I heard from Ma'ir Sheshiva Rabbi Shapiro, who heard it mentioned by the Rebbe. This is not halacha, what I'm saying, right. and it's not even according to all opinions, but in Kabbalah, you have a concept that if you have a mezuzah in metal, in a metal case, which means silver, which means any metal, precious or non-precious, it takes away the Shemitah, the protective aspect of a mezuzah. Now, don't forget, a mezuzah is a mitzvah. You get the mitzvah if you put it in a triple box of metal. You're doing the mitzvah. There's other add-ons connected to a mezuzah, including protection including not only the protection of the mitzvah, but the protection of shindalad yud, And then if you know behind Yudkei, Vafke, and Alekenu, you have the different names of Malachim. There are, other, it's like a, there are other things that are written on the mezuzah. There was a lot of controversy about that because normally we don't make a mitzvah into an amulet. We're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to write anything on the parchment of the mezuzah. But on the other side, that gets weakened or diminished or taken away if it's in metal. Yes. Another thing that we have simple cases. Acrylic, I think, is simple and beautiful, but if you go to 770, and that was something that the Rebbe was very strong in, that whenever <clears throat> you have a mitzvah that has accessories, never celebrate the accessory. Okay. Celebrate the mitzvah. I'll give you a mushroom. In Lubavitch, we don't put a silver crown on a talus. You know, the Talaisos from everyone else, for Shabbos and Yom Tev, they're going to have on the part of the talis that goes over the head, a beautiful um, silver. ornamental silver, we call it crown. We, Davkit, don't do that. We don't do that. We don't have a silver Esvig case. We don't do that on purpose because the mitzvah is the Esvig. And when you make the case super beautiful, You're focusing on the wrong thing. Spend money in getting a beautiful essic. Spend money in getting a beautiful mezuzah. That's the mitzvah. I'll go more than that. That's the reason why in Labavitch we don't put up decorations in the sukkah. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a minig. The Mishnah speaks about it. It's the most beautiful thing. We're not minimizing those who have a minig. I'm explaining why in Chabad we don't put it up because the mitzvah is the schach. And the noy sukkah sometimes is so beautiful that you focus on the secondary. It's not nothing, but it's second. In life, we all have that issue. You Look at a person, what are you focusing on? If you're focusing on the secondary, then you have it wrong and that leads to things that are not good. You look at your kids, what are you looking at? You have to know how to look at the kid. Everything has many layers. Learn how to look at the primary, not in the secondary. Yes. What yes. about the candlesticks? What Are about we the, candlesticks? <laughs> <laughs> no, the candlesticks? What about the One second. I want to go one at a time. Let's go one at a time. Let's go one at a time. The candlestick is, is silver. It's very okay. fancy. Okay. I'm going to answer that question. That ner, not oir, we spoke about this. Not oir, not ash. The halachic definition of a lamp is the keli and the oil and the wick. L'had lik it's called neirot shabbat. Neiros Shabbat. Neirois. a neir means a lamp. That's a lamp. That's the lamp. I don't care if you put, if you put another, a glass. The keli of the ner is part of the neir. That's part of the mitzvah. Different. When you not put like the a tea case. Lights, it's not the mitzvah. Of course but you have the mitzvah. Just put tea of no, course no, you have the know. mitzvah. But you're doing the mitzvah more beautiful. That's the mitzvah. In other words, getting, having candles for Shabbos doesn't only mean the fire. It means the fire, the wick, and the keli. And the lamps are the keli part of it. So that's part of the mitzvah. Mamish, You can do it without it. I know that. But that's why there's a minic. You're speaking about a shetel. No one is saying, no one is saying it's a mitzvah. No one is saying it's a mitzvah. It's about garments. It's about begotten. Let's go for Shabbos. There's a mitzvah to have beautiful garments. So get yourself uh, beautiful garments. And not Shabbos. There's no mitzvah to look like a shlump. I, they charge you seven thousand dollars, we pay for it. It's on us. <laughs> you understand that, and there has to be a way to stop that because this is mamisha uh, chutzpah when it costs them twenty dollars, thirty dollars. And with all of these new shtick with the nets, I will be shocked if they pay more than a hundred dollars. The biggest names without mentioning their names, shaitles. So, something that is a, is, is, is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. At least, see the challenges by men by men that they used to overcharge for shtraymols and they used to overcharge. There were big uh, leaders that went and, went and they said that if you guys, you're not gonna put down, you wanna make 200%, you wanna make 300%, he didn't go into that. I know retail here, you make 250%. hate. there's a certain accepted norm. You wanna make 8,000% from whom? That's a problem. The problem is that the people that, that are in the Haredi world, the majority of them cannot afford this. We cannot afford this. It's a big thing, this. We, we did a wedding. You pay for two shekels, $15,000. And then the kala doesn't like it, but she's ashamed to say she doesn't like it because... She doesn't, doesn't know what she wants. She doesn't know what she wants. You have to send the, the agma snafish, And this is right here begins. And then the Sugar. It's meshuggah. It's, you, people fight about tuition. The problem is not tuition. Little problem. Shekels. <laughs> shekels cost more than tuition. <laughs> and it's a geneva. Because they're, they're the school teach teachers, and they pay rent. They're paying... What are they paying? They, you have to go to China or to Brazil, you'll find out what they pay. Remember when Nisteri and I lived in Hong Kong, we found manufacturers of hats. They were paying up as $3. $3 a hat, the Herst. Not Borsellino, but hats that would sell for $150. $3. That's a chutzpah. So let's say there are two middlemen. So he paid 3 so he's going to charge $20. Now he charged $50, and the other guy charges $150, and the store charges $300. The same thing with your shaytokh. Huh? No, it's it's it, because people don't have an option. Because you're speaking exactly. about a person's beauty, And and once, once, once you see this, you don't want to wear that. It's it's a problem. I don't know. I don't know the, the solution. Rabbi, in the old days, the rabbis had power. and the rabbis jowse to protect their constituents. I'll tell you. My, I'll tell you the power of the rabbis today. The rabbis speaking about. I have to do it. I have to find a place to make a copy shetel, and a shul should make the most beautiful. What's the most beautiful shetel name? You tell me today. I just see the credit card bill. Taylor. Taylor. Okay. So 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 to go to go over there to the far east or to go to Brazil and to make shaitlach that are like this and to sell them for eight hundred dollars as a service and the shul will also make money because the shul will pay for it hundred dollars even even with not because they're not good if you'll be good you'll pay eight dollars for your eight thousand dollar shaitl mamish. But it's the same with the kosher stores. Oh, I would say like God. this. I would say. I would say that. Isn't, isn't it the same? No, I'll tell you why. I'll I'll it's different. You know the difference is no. The difference is is that when you have a younger woman, and you're touching beauty, you're trapped. No, but the people are being squeezed from all directions. Healthy healthy food, and kosher. It's all this setting also. The whole thing. I'm upset about Chaytlich now, so let's speak about. It. We can't be upset at too many things at one time. <laughs> oh my God! We we'll come out of here all traumatized. I'm no. sorry. I'm coming back to our class over here. Going back to the mezuzah Going back to the mezuzah Yeah. Yesterday I watched a a video that came from a rabbi that he was checking 84 yeah uh, from reliable all of the biggest store in Crown Heights stores, Julie said there all of those that those mezuzah, that they don't check it and they just put it in and they brought it to this gentleman. He gave it to different rabbis to make sure they were not good. The big percent were not good. Well, Let me tell you this: there's software. a the solution is like this. That the rebbe, the rebbe, did a great initiative. Halachically, you don't have to check your mezuzahs that often, nor your tefillin. There is one halachic opinion which is very machmer beyond the letter of the law to do it once a year. And the Rebbe always spoke about it. And what the Rebbe did, the service that Rebbe did was, is that even people that don't do it once a year, which is what we ideally should be doing, we check them often. So I, listen, if a person put up the mezuzahs, I'm not letting them off the hook. But you know how many scribes you have in this neighborhood, here, that will come to your house, I know it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it's a lot cheaper than a shetel. You can buy 80 shetels, I'm saying, for 80 years. <laughs> yes. They'll pay $400, they'll come to your house, and the beauty is, is that they take it off, and they check it, and they put it up, and if someone has a mezuzah that's not good, you'll catch it, you'll, you'll hop it. The fact that for X amount of months, the person didn't have a good mezuzah, another thing, when people buy mezuzahs and tefillin, give it to a scribe to check, another scribe to check before you put it up. It's a very simple solution, and it won't even cost that much money. Before you put up mezuzahs, you buy it from A, give it to B to check. Yeah, but I'm saying it that such a reliable… Well, like I think anything that's… Ma- things, have, things that are man-made, things that it, are it, shipped, and then you have heat. Uh, listen, I'm not taking them off the hook. I a lot of hands, I, hands, I, I, hands I, Yeah, hands I, I, think, hands think. I, think, I think that mezuzas relative to me are not that expensive, relative. Don't no. forget, I know how much work goes into it. Even for a big mezuzah today, you'll pay $150. Okay, so you buy one time, you spend $5,000, but that's good forever. That's good for 30 years. And if you check it every year, before it becomes invalidated, if it starts to get, they'll fix it. Fix it. Fix it. And there's a point where you can't fix it. But if you're doing this maintenance, unless lakhathila was not good, I think, same thing with filling, you guys have kids. I know the boys, for us it became expensive. You buy it once. Tefillin costs $2,000 today. Okay, but I know, I know at least a lot of work goes into it and you buy it once. I bought a pair of tefillin for my 50th birthday from a phenomenal cipher. and I paid the, the top whatever it was then, $1,500, and, and, and right away I gave it into a cipher to check here, and it was invalid. It can happen, it was a mistake, these things happen. So at least you hop it right away. Okay, so coming back to my Oran Kodesh. So everything needs to have one covering, or if you want to take it into a bathroom, two coverings. The only exception is a cipher toyota. cipher toilet needs to have three coverings to give it more cover. Where did we get the three coverings from? from the of HaMikdash, that where was the Arun Kodesh, the the, the Luchais are placed in the Arun Kodesh. The Arun Kodesh had three boxes. The Chumash writes, there was gold, wood, and gold. So as a remembrance, even though we don't have the Luchais, the Sefer Torah is going to be placed in three coverings. The difference between Sfardim and Ashkenazim, I'm coming back to the lions, is that we have our material in place of the gold. The wood is wood. The, 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 the ark is made out of wood. So what we do is, we, is on the Sefer toira, we put what we call a mantle. A mantle is a material covering over the Sefer toira. The Sfatim don't have that. They have wood with ornaments. But we have material, right? The parochis. Then you have the doors of the Amuar, wood. And then in front, material. So the reason why we have a parochis is now with the parochis with the wooden door, with the mantle, you have three. Are you talking about the The door door case? The Toyota case. The the Toyota covering. Just the covering? Not like the place that you put it in. I'm talking about everything. Yeah, 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 Mrs. Moravitch. Everything. I'm talking about the the covering on the Toyota we call in Yiddish a mantle. It's like like, um, a cloak. It's a a cloak made out of velvet. It's material. Then we put it in the ark. The ark is made out of wood. Yeah, that's new, two, and the doors are closed. It's two, and then you put a curtain. You have three. The svardim have three, but they do it the opposite. They do. Yechapa, they do, they do they in, in, very good. They they put the Torah in wood. Yeah. The truth is, there's a lot they have, a lot to stand on because they have. An, let's just go simplified. It's it's more by them. They know what they're doing, but they have wood. Then they have in their Just to know, when you open up a svardim in there there's a curtain. Yes, yes. And then when they close the doors, they dafka leave it wood. When you go into a real Sefardic shul, and I know many people for beauty by us are copying it, which is fine, but it's good to keep your tradition. You're not going to find the parochas in a Sefardic shul. In a traditional Sefardic shul, you're going to have a beautiful wooden doors. The advantage is, is that they have a lot less um, pictures on it. It all goes together. When you have material, you're going to make embroidery. I know that you can make engravings on wood, it's a lot more complicated. They have a beautiful, they can have a design, but not a picture, you know, they can have a wood going this way, going that way, it looks nice, it's not just a flat piece of wood, but you have a, they have wood, paroches inside, and then wood. I wonder what the silver that covers the top. So that's more complicated because really what they do is they they consider that also three, I don't want to get into it. the ketters count or something? No. And the ladies who put their head covering on top of it? It's just a minak? No, it's not such a minute. So that's what she was really mentioning. So really what the Sfardim, know what they're doing because they have people say on the Sfardim, what are they doing? In the base Hamikdash, it wasn't wood, golden wood. It was material. Now, Sfardim, they have a a covering. That covering is hung on every single Sfardik safer Toyota. Why is there a covering? Is because... when after the wood? Like this, when you... If you the if, wood case. Is there's like a it? wood case. First of all, the wood case, like she said, they it's not so wood. They also add... Something, so that's really, really you mystically two coverings. There's silver in the outside. Then there's wood, <coughs> and then inside they really have cloth inside. Oh, the, the case itself, case has itself, layers. Case has two layers, has two layers and, silver. and and when you open up the Sefer Torah, like by us, when people get an aliyah, so the person who is getting the aliyah should see from where they're reading. So they open it up, but then if you'll notice. They close it and they make the blessing. They close it and make a blessing so no one should think that the blessing is written inside. The blessing is said by heart or it's written on the side. You look to the side. Despite them, don't close it. Despite them because it's a big thing, it's hard to close it. But they have the same laws that we have. You're not allowed to make a bracha standing in front of the Sefer Torah giving the impression that the blessing is written in it. So what do they do? So this is what you mentioned is used. When the Sefer Torah is opened, They find a place from where they're gonna read. They use a cloth, a beautiful cloth that covers the letters of the sefer without closing it, so it's covered. and Then they make the brach. So really, they have that cloth which we consider material. Then they have the wood, and then they have the silver. That's what even while they read in the door. Even there, they have three. They have it even more accurate. But generally, there's a concept of having three. I was I want to I want to speak a little bit. I was trying to get today to the line, so I want to speak about a line. All of this was. Maybe Why? there's a... Because the line is connected to the month of Av. And by the way, there's a ladies' class connected to Rosh Chodesh tonight, so I'll continue. We won't have enough time to speak about the line. But the question is that, especially we Lubavitchers and how much that ever asked of us to diminish or really cut out images of non-kosher animals, especially from children. Of course, God created the world. and God created many non-kosher animals. But uh, we try not. We try not to look at things that are not kosher as much as and to bring it into Kedusha and it's ironic and the two animals that we have already in the base on two animals in the base on that are not kosher and they were everywhere who knows what they were and what they will be two animals that are not kosher alive they had them no 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 oh. huh? the lion oh. and the oh. eagle and the eagle oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and and it was part of it was part of the embroideries and the, there was a the curtains in the base. Amygdash was like wow, wow. There was a curtain that needed six hundred people to lift. <laughs> what? The, the, no, that's 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 the covering of the Mishkan. That <laughs> that is already extinct. Because that's a leather. Yeah, but I'm talking about curtains. The curtains that were woven, there was a door that was around sixty feet tall, sixty feet tall by 40 feet wide, do you understand? 61 opening, you know what 60 feet tall is? It's, it's four and a half stories of a modern building, one opening, and all of that was covered with a curtain. Humongous, and the curtain was, had golden strands in it. I mean, that was a piece of art that was so beautiful that when we were making it, it was hung someplace in Temple Mount in a very public place for people to see what we are doing to give cover to Hashem. It was the most beautiful embroidered piece of material in the world and the vatican the Ganovim, they stole one of them they have one of them there they do have one for sure because the Gemara speaks about how 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 there was a whole story but this is such a good story here's the story so there was a, the romans they were crazy they were crazy and they were making the decrees against the jewish people and we were always on the defense the defense was to go there and to bribe them that was the defense and to make arguments and we had enough of it, we couldn't take it anymore. So they decided that who will know how to deal with the Romans? Rabshima Bar Because we needed the miracle, we didn't know how to deal with them. So Rabshima Bar who lived then in Israel, went to Rome to abolish a decree. It was a terrible decree. First of all, they made their decree was at that time, the Gamada writes, that the Jewish people cannot keep Shabbos, they cannot make a brismila, and and Shabbos. I'm sorry, Shabbos, brismila, huh? Something that Shabbos, Shabbos and Brasmila weak, will come to me in a second because what happened? So the Gemara says that Eliyah Novi came and he disguised himself as a Roman senator. And when they were debating, everything was debated there in their Senate. He said, When a person has an enemy, do you want your enemy to be stronger or weaker? He said, Of course you want your enemy to be weaker. So he says, Let them do a brismila. You're cutting them on their kids. You want them to be wealthy or poor. Poor. Shabbos, they don't work. That's what I'm I think I'll remember. A and mikvah. mikvah, and going to the mikvah because you want them to be more numerous or less numerous. The laws of the mikvah mean that for two weeks out of the month they're not together. You got less kids, even though it's not MS. He, His arguments were so good that they, they began to look who is this guy and no one recognized him. So they said, this is an imposter. They didn't know that it's an angel. Oh. So then they made a decree against them and they made a decree that this is a decree that cannot be abolished only by the Caesar. Only by the, only by the, only by the emperor, only by Caesar. Decree Nor, against what he said? Uh, this decree against the Jewish people that were under the Roman domain, this is huge. They were talking about not only in Israel, who wherever they dominated Jews, you know, you, know, you can't keep shops, you can't do a Mila and you can't, can't build likvahs. That was the end of the Jewish people. The end of that's the end of the Jewish people. They knew what they were doing, so now we needed the miracle. Rab Shamayachoi, Bar Shamayachoi, even Beshas even when you don't know, there's no, there's no way out. You can rely on him, even when there's no way out. But he's not going to travel by himself. He was an elderly person. Everyone was terrified to travel with him, because going back to our Shpilazedah story, or he was very Geburadik. Yeah, he's very. Very and I, I, there's a story, where we don't have time even for that. One person agreed to travel with him I think it was Rabbi, Rabbi Huda and his father went to the Beis Medrash and he said that my son is going to be he's going to die from this trip he's going to do something he's going to make him upset and he's going to have a kpeda so they called him and they got him to commit not to harm him and he harmed him there's a whole story behind the story yeah. don't ask and then he healed him he was a tough cookie, but he was the biggest sadik. Not chas v'sholem in a negative way. He was a different type of people. What did do? This is a good chav. What he did was, is that he, he took control over a certain demon. He dominated the demon, and he commanded the demon to possess Caesar's daughter. He had then one daughter. To possess her, that she should become insane. That's going on the offensive. And he was a mystic. He was good for that. He was a ruch a person. And that's what happened. And she went crazy. And, and he had his daughter. daughter the daughter of Caesar lost her mind. And he called in all the healers that were available. And he got the right demon. No way to get rid of that demon. So he made an announcement that if there's anyone, he went through the known, any healer that can help my daughter, he says, anything they want, I'll give them. Rabbi Shemar came to the city. It's like the in modern medicine. They send the illnesses. <laughs> they send this. And then they come, they come, they have this knowledge. they learned it from him. He made the machla and he came and he commanded the demon to leave her. He healed her. So so the Caesar told him, you can, whatever you want, you can do. So what happened was, is, is that when they made decrees, the way it worked, it's like there's a constitution, right? So there's a physical constitution. When they made decrees then, there was an actual document and it was stored away someplace. And if you want to abolish the decree... You have to get that. You have to get the document. So he says he wants to be led into the Chamber of Decrees. And he's going to remove one decree. Out of the three? No, it was one. It was all in the same decree. Ah, Ah, So what happened was, that's the beauty, that is once they let them into that area of the West Wing, so the other one, I think it was Rabbi Yosei, but Rabbi Yehuda, the other Tana, he wanted to go on a tour to see what else is there. And he knew that they are in the possession, the Romans, of the Calum of the Beis HaMikdash. He wanted to see the Calum of the Beis HaMikdash. And by the way, where they sat is Mamash, where the Vatican is today. And he saw, the Gemara writes, the curtain, and he opened up the curtain. So Roshim b'ayrcholi is going to get rid of the decree. And this Jew, he had courage, he went over there, because there was a whole debate in the Gemara when they would throw the blood on Yom Kippur, did they have to throw it on the curtain, which is like chaval, because it's such a beautiful curtain, or did they throw it in the direction of the curtain? So he opened it up and he saw that the curtain had those drops of blood. That whole story came that he came back to the base Medrash in Israel and he says, aha, I found blood in it. So they told him it doesn't prove anything. Really the blood you don't have to throw on the curtain. And it happened that one time it went to the curtain. So the whole thing was uh, no proof, it's Like that, that was the end of that. So therefore we're back to the, the Machlaikas. it's so good. <laughs> Which today would, teaches us that the curtain is there. But we, I know the curtain is there, now going back to the curtain. Oh, So on that curtain, on that curtain, there was, there was embroidery of lions and uh, eagles. Lions and eagles are not kosher animals. Now the truth is, in the vision of the Merkava, in the vision of the yecheskel, so you have that creature that had four faces. It's a bull not a Huh? A bull also. Oh, very good. And that was the that's why they made the eagle azov because they saw that image. But at least the bull is kosher, that's what I'm saying. It's less problematic. Here you have a lion, lion to the right, the bull is to the left, the eagle is to the middle, and then you have the pne Odom or pne karuvia, whatever that is. Now who else knows where do we have a lion and an, and an eagle? In in I didn't, I am a boy. You, the word you guys learn Nahu, they don't teach it's us not sure. lion and eagle together? Shimshon had lions. I don't but know but Together, together, eagles together. You mean in a dream? Or oh, 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 can... oh, 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 no, no. Yeah, in one chizayom. Very good. So in the beginning of Daniel, I think it's in the, I didn't learn it properly, but in Daniel, when Belshazzar had a dream, right, and Daniel interpreted the dream, he told him about the, the four beasts. There was, a, there was a, the last king of Babylonia had a dream. And it's really connected to another dream that was had by Nebuchadnezzar. And he dreamt of the four beasts that represented the four kingdoms that dominated the world from the Khurban first temple until the building of the third base Nikdash. And that is the lion, Nebuchadnezzar, bubble. Then you have the eagle. I'm sorry, then you have the bear and in that dream. The bear are, are the Persians. And then you have, and then the other creature represented Greece. I forgot what creature for a second. You know, the normally donkey is Greece, but I don't know if that was in the dream. Wait, can you say that? The... Then the eagle, the eagle is Rome. The eagle, represents... eagle is Rome. George Bush looked like an eagle to me. Yeah. Pun in. Rome is America. And, and that's why an American flag, of course Rome is America. You have an eagle. So the, 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 the national there thing is... The Islam too, that's the last one. No, the last one is, is America. Islam never and even more than that there is a that, that, that could be that's a gemara. That's already a Gemara episode so the lion, there he saw a lion coming out of the ocean a lion with the wings of an eagle that was the first creature okay. the lion and the eagle and in shuls you have lion and eagles and how do we have a lion? this is the dream of Daniel? that was a dream, I think again I, I have an excuse which is a very bad excuse that I'm a guy <laughs> and therefore they never taught me uh, Nach. It's in Sefer Daniel that I know. I think it was Belshazzar, who was the last Babylonian king who was overthrown ultimately by Yavesh. and then um, that's how Achashvedesh was the second uh, Persian king. Um, I think it was the dream of Belshazzar, and he needed to, for it to be interpreted, and he asked Daniel to interpret it. So we have lines. So I just want to say it like this, at least as an intro, because the, just to know the month of Av is the month of a lion, every month has an animal. According to Kabbalah, this is the month of the lion. And there's a Pasek, I think in Yirmiyo, again, Nachid, But a Pasek in scripture that says that the lion came, Nebuchadnezzar, Melach Babel lion, in the month of a lion, the lion came in the month of a lion and destroyed the lion. The Beis Hamigdash is called the lion. In order for a lion to come, which is God, in the month of the lion, which is in the month of Anachamov, to rebuild the lion. Oh, Beautiful. So, so the Beis amikdash is filled with lines. So there's something about the line in the Beis so like this, There's many things to speak so about. Why the was so adamant about non But in the Shul we have a line. It's not a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. That's the source. That's true. not a contradiction. It's a lost there's a place, yesh ma'kom, ma in a Beis which is in the place, which is a little mini Beis HaMikdash. and the Beis HaMikdash you have lines. I'll tell you, you know, in the Beis HaMikdash, they had statues. In the Aron HaKodesh, the ha- there were statues of the Kruvim. Just, be- yeah, yeah. just yeah. because it was done there, it doesn't mean it's done everywhere. So why not eagles? Oh, by the way, many shuls have eagles. It's Begels. Both, both, both. But I think lion is even stronger because the lion represents the Beis HaMikdash. Now, when I read like this, this, you guys know from Paredka Yahweh, this is the opening of Shulchan Aruch. Yehuda Ben Teimah Oimer. kanomer. Be bold like a leopard. The kal should be light, like an eagle, like an eagle. Rats, katsvi run swift like a deer, which is kosher. The gibor and and the altar begins here in shulchan aruch. The meaning of gibor ka'ari, gevura, he's giving an application. Generally, gibor means to rule over oneself. To be in control over oneself in a healthy way, but to be the balabais over self. In this context, to get out of bed quickly, that's why it's the beginning of the Shulchan Aruch. To appreciate the importance of, you know, everyone understands, you begin something, begin it on the right foot. Begin a day on the right foot. So people say, begin moida'ani, hundred percent. Begin Nagel yeah, brachas. I'm not minimizing that. There was another thing that's not that religious related, but it's, it's in, the first thing in Shulchan Aruch. You wake up in the morning and we're not saying that it's usur to put a snooze button on. No, we're not saying that. It's a, very, it's a bad habit. It's a bad habit. What? Jumping out of bed is not healthy. Jumping out of bed. Jumping out of bed is mamish not healthy. I heard up in a class of so Emes or not MS, it sounded great that the time that it takes you to say moida'ani is bidiyuk. The, the time that, that you need you not to, get to get wake up too. and jump out of bed. Right. So there is overly quick, but then there is laziness. Laziness is not natural. And okay, we'll continue tonight. There's a Maimed of the Altar maybe we'll learn more Shabbos. The Altar Deber writes that every person is born with Zrizus. Yeah. Zrizus means with alacrity. Okay. It, it some more, some less. That that laziness is a is a trait that we learn from bad habits. It's a bad habit. Other bad midas, some people are born, some people are cruel, God forbid, some people are angry, some people have bad habits. He, he's saying over here, that even though the writes Eberitzen over there, laziness from the earth, everyone is swift. We learn laziness. And the importance of life, of being swift. Let me just share with you a story, and we'll end with that, and we'll continue tonight a lot more. Swift means to be, to be, give no? Yeah, yeah the, the Tzvi is more physical. I'm talking about not physical to run, not to be ruts, but you wake up in the morning, so there is a conflict what's the conflict the conflict is is that a part of us wants just to stay lazy wants to stay in bed can i drink my coffee or shall i say my prayers there was a great yiddish comedian called jiggins jiggins says yiddish it's a whole lost culture that he woke up in the morning and his yitzhar told him jiggins get up in the oven the says jiggins Stay in bed. It's so warm in bed. It's so cold outside. And he says, and they begin to fight. What did I do? I told them, listen, you guys fight it out. When you resolve it, tell me what to do. I went back to sleep. Two hours later, they finally worked it out, and I got up. <laughs> <a> <laughs> okay, was like, in other words, that was what's his humor. A joke? That's a Jiggins joke. In other words, to get up quick, to get up, to get up b'koyach. So what's my is like? This is that the Rebbe made a Machne Yisrael fund. And then, maybe you were there, I don't know who, who was here. Many people in LA had this chus to go. That means at some point, the Rebbe who wanted to financially support the shluchim on a higher level and, the, and many more shluchim. so his way of raising funds was is that twice a year for people then in the 80s who would commit to $100,000, which is a lot of money, even today then it was a lot of money, $100,000 to be paid over five years. Oh, I thought it was ten. It was $20,000 a year. For five years, they had the opportunity to meet the Rebbe twice a year. And it was a, a, a special setting and a lot of it was filmed. Uh, all of it was filmed. A lot of it you can see. So you see a who was involved, I think it was then with Yossi Reitchik, who, or either, either it was their children of Chernobyl or it was with their Bar Mitzvah, Bas Mitzvah that the Chabad does for the, for the orphans of the war in Israel. So they make once or twice a year, they make a mamish, like a... The most beautiful Bar Mitzvah celebration, Bas Mitzvah celebration, for orphans from parents who died as a soldier. So it's taka not for one; it's for a few hundred at a time, which is tri- or and victims of terror. It's together, and these. This is beautiful, Mamas. You see it, you cry. And there was a yid, a yid without a beard. He was not a Lubavitcher guy, but he he liked that. It was that He was very proud of it. He went to the Rebbe, and and he asked the Rebbe. He told the Rebbe that in a couple of weeks there's going to be another. I think it was Bar Mitzvah. And he would, the way he spoke was pride and, the, and he thanked the Rebbe for the opportunity of being involved in it. Then he told the Rebbe, how great would it be that Rebbe had dollars when he, when he, when he always, he would give you, a, he'd give you a dollar. So the Rebbe had a stack of dollars. He says, how great would it be if every Bar Mitzvah, Bas Mitzvah child can get a dollar from the Rebbe? And the Rebbe says, that's a very good idea. The Rebbe asked how many children. I forgot what he said. The Rebbe was so mudoyic. There was a few hundred. The Rebbe stuck his hands in that pile. The Rebbe gave it to him. He says the Rebbe gave him exactly the number that he needed. And the Rebbe told him that if you need more, tell the office and they'll give you more today. So his first reaction was he he said, Rebbe, I didn't mean for this to happen now. He repeated that the bar mitzvah will be in a few weeks. The Rebbe looked at him with a big smile. And the Rebbe says, when some good opportunity comes to you, why should you delay Simple, simple thing, but that's, that's, that's the gibber ka'ari. In other words, if, something is, if it's important to get out of bed, this attitude in life is so healthy. And you can even say, alpin nigla. that's the meaning of the line. In shulchanarach, just when you look at a line, a line means that when something good comes your way, you want to be connected to God, everything. This is not, not that getting out of bed does it's not directly doing a mitzvah, it's life. Something good comes your way, if you can do it now, don't do it later. And we are born that way, and if we got into a bad habit, since we are born like an Ari, we have to come back to that state. And it's so important that we can have it on the paroches in the Shul, according to Ashkenazim at least, even though that generally we don't want to have images, because everything is a balance. And it represents this and the is other things. But in Shulchan Aruch, the Ari represents Gibor al Yitzray, particularly get up in the morning. When you wake up, get up. You want to wake up later, put the alarm for later. Get into that habit. You wanna wake up whatever the time is? Put the alarm and get up. Get out of bed. L'chaim. Hi, I guess we have to come tonight to give the rest. I don't know how to do this. What you say, bold as a leopard, light,